0: The following message is part of the preaching ministry of Berlin Baptist Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. So this morning the sermon is called Point of No Return. And the way that I can try to define that for you, whenever I was a kid, my parents and I would take trips. We didn't have a whole lot of money, but we would go out to Oklahoma, which is where my dad's parents lived. And there was one particular trip that we're driving this big old Econoline white van that had the back seat that would recline back into a bed, got the green, orange, and brown inside, you know what I'm talking about? And we would sit in there, we didn't even wear seatbelts back then, still survived, and we would sleep, so we would take turns because it's like a 15-hour drive. Well, in the midst of that drive, we broke down and didn't have cell phones back then. Didn't have GPS back then. So my dad did everything in his power to get us from the van into something else so we could at least get to a hotel. Well, the question was raised between my mom and dad, should we go back to South Carolina and just call the trip off or should we go ahead to Oklahoma and have the car repaired or the van repaired. And my dad said, no, I think we're beyond the point of no return. So meaning we're too far away from where we were. We've got to continue where we're going. This particular passage is in the book of Romans. So go ahead and turn to the book of Romans. It is a New Testament book. Go ahead and give me the next slide. We seem to be stuck on it. Romans chapter 1. So (laughs) it's going to be the first thing you come to. And what you're going to find is Paul is giving some instructions from the very beginning. He has a greeting that he uses. And then he gets into several things that he wants to talk about. Now, Romans, where do you think the church was that he's talking to? Rome. Oh, and that's something else. I'm gonna need y'all to talk to me this morning. I know that's probably not the way I'm supposed to do things. But I want you to help process what we're discussing. So there are going to be several times when I'm simply gonna say, what's the answer to the question? So yes, this church was in the book of or excuse me, in the country of Italy, it is the seat of power for the Roman Empire. So I need you to know that when Paul is writing this, it's not just to a Wagner-Sally, it's not even to a Columbia, it's to Washington, D.C. And just like our country, if people want to be recognized, if they want causes to be furthered, that's where they go, because that's where the policy is for the entire country, or in this case the entire empire. So diversity is the word. Diversity is everywhere in all aspects of their culture. It is a diverse church, which means it's not just a bunch of Jews who are now Messianic Jews, those who believe in Jesus as a Savior. It's not just Gentiles. It's Jews and Gentiles. All kinds of fighting going on with that because the Jews still bring with them, hey, you're supposed to follow the Ten Commandments. That's part of the salvation experience. And Paul spent many, many times trying to discredit that. Understanding that our salvation is based on the Ten Commandments or faith? Faith. Right? So, a lot of things going on there. Capital city, diversity of thought, melting pot, polytheistic. Poly means many. Theism or theistic means gods. Many gods. So you know some of the Roman mythology, Jupiter, and you've got Greek mythology that is mixed into that. So everyone who's living in this big capital city, they're not Christians. And the notion that, what do you mean there's only one God? No, 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 no. No, there's a God of this and a God of this and there's a goddess over here and there's all of these different things except for this little church that says, no, there's one. Well, Roman culture was very wide open, bring your gods, bring your goddesses, we are an inclusive place. Sounds like Washington, D.C. again, right? And so whenever these Christians came in and set up camp in this church, which by the way was not a church building, historians believe it was actually a series of five different houses, and that is what the church was. So everything went great until this church said, no, there's there's not all these other gods, there's only one. Then they began to be persecuted for that belief. So many gods, as a matter of fact, you had to worship the emperor. The dude that's in charge of the entire dynasty, that's in charge of the entire empire, you need to worship him. And of course the Christians said, that's not happening. So Christians were not very popular you will also see that major segments of the society at that time were biblically immoral. If you're not following the one true God, the rules that come with the one true God are out the window. So there's all kinds of things that are happening in this culture that Christianity is trying really hard to stay out of. It doesn't make Christians popular. What does that sound like? That's right where we are. Lastly, there is a caste system in place in Rome, which means you are born into a level of society and you don't go higher or you don't go lower unless you've been arrested and punished. Then they would push you down to the lower echelons, which means you don't have as much money, as much opportunity, all of those great things. This is where Paul's writing. The last detail that I'll give you is Paul had never even been to Rome. So I, I found it interesting that he's writing a letter to a church he's never even visited. He's never been there He keeps saying, I want to come see you. I want to come see you. Eventually he does right before he's beheaded. Alright, so that gives you an idea. So in chapter 1, let's look through what verse 18, I think it's through 32, says. But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful Wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they know God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds. And animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself who was worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Ooh, Do you see how there's not a whole lot of lollipops and flowers that we're going to talk about today? Church, there's an imbalance. As a society, because of the way we have been raised and our children are being raised, We love to talk about God's mercy. And we love to throw John 3.16 on the table and look at it and marvel that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Those are truths. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you that God is not love. The Bible says God is love. What we forget is this God is not some fat guy with white hair sitting on a throne that has a halo and a long beard. He's God. He's Yahweh. He's Elohim. He's all of these different names that represent not just the aspect that God died for my sins, although that is so important to where we are. The God we serve that God represented in this church is holy. Holy means without sin, without blemish, without evil. And so when you put somebody like me up against or up in front of a God who has all of those aspects, I have no hope. Which is why mercy is so important. But today I want to talk to you about the justice side of God what I teach my children that I work with during the week is when God encounters sin he destroys it or he forgives it that there's no other third option he forgives it or he destroys it and you're going to see today that our country which is made up of all of us individually 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 corporate together is what our culture represents and and you see, what God how God handles that. Go ahead and give me the next slide. Now I want to pick apart the verses because you saw what the major issue was that Paul was attacking in Roman society. It was sexual relationships, and it's easy for us as a church to say, "Well, there is the proof. You mess with any of the stuff that God mentioned." You're going to hell. God's the only one can determine that, first of all. Second of all, what I want you to see is this first sentence. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful wicked people. Who are the sinful wicked people? That's us. That's not just this group that was discussed in this particular scripture. Paul makes it very clear. Yeah, I'm calling out this one issue that's going on because it's prevalent in Roman society, but do not be misled. You and I are part of that same equation. Everybody understands that, right? Because if you are sinless, you shouldn't be in the church. Because we are all broken. And we all have shadows of things that are going on that we don't want people to know about. This is for us. So, against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. What does suppress mean? What? Hide it or? Yeah, change it up. Twist it. I want to justify my actions, so I'm going to take the scripture and make it match me. What's the way it's supposed to go? Is the Bible a reflection of me, or am I a reflection of the Bible? Okay, so, so you get what I'm saying. Suppress the truth means I'm going to twist it, I'm going to take it, I'm going to hide it, I'm going to silence it. And by our testimonies, the things that we do wrong, that's what's happening. Because everyone looks at us, if you're wearing a cross or you go to this church or whatever, and you have said, I am a Christian, you and I are reflections of God. So anytime we do something wrong, we are suppressing the truth by our wickedness. Well, that's not very uplifting so far. Let's keep going. So you keep going through verse 20. And it says, through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities. His eternal power and divine nature. They have no excuse for knowing God. This again is a representation of us. There are people that you will come across in Wagner-Sally, in Lexington, Columbia, Washington, D.C. There is no God. And I would venture to say that is false. Have you ever seen a hint of the intricacy of the human body? Have you ever seen that the flowers... And the plants, having been in a couple places in the world, there's no way anything could, this all could happen without there being a God. Or the God. That's what this is talking about. Because there are Christians and non-Christians, well, how, how do I know that God is real? Look around. Because everything you see, even in this building... The fact that there are eight billion people on this earth, and not one of them are the same there's twins that are close, not the same. any snowflakes never the same I could that 's a whole other sermon so there's no excuse for not knowing God you can 't say, well, I was doing all these things because i didn't know God didn 't want me to i didn't know that there was this higher power that would preclude me from things that are naughty. That's called, I don't want to be held accountable. So I'm going to say there is no God. Next slide. So, I work with kids during the week. It wears me out, but I have about 75, and tomorrow I'm going to have 115 for the whole summer. One of the mainstay things are games. I'm an old guy. Not in the best physical shape. Working on it, but not in the best physical shape. And so when you've got a nine-year-old coming up to you, Tag, Pastor Todd, you're it. <clears throat> By the, I can't even turn around fast enough to see who it was. Tag is king. And so we will have tag where, okay, you're it if you're a girl. You're it if you're a boy. You're it if your birthday's in the month of May. You're it if you have shoes on. And everyone's running all over the place. We're chasing this person. Then we're tagging him. We chase this person. Our lives. Our spiritual lives. Our game of tag. Do You know that? Who's it? That's the question that I ask you. To consider. Are you chasing God? Is He it? Or did you stop chasing Him? And I'm going to go my own way, God. And you become it and God chases you. That is taking our spiritual lives and putting it into a very simple concept. Somebody's running. Somebody's chasing. And it's either us chasing God because we know He's going to take us where we need to go. He's going to give us what we need to have. He's going to put us right where He wants us to be. But sometimes, God, I don't want to do that. You know what? You go ahead and, and you keep running. I'm gonna turn. I'm gonna go this way, and we take off a different direction. God doesn't just keep running. It's like he's running because we're supposed to be following him, and he's looking back. Yep, still follow me. Yep, still follow. Uh oh. I, I lost Todd. Well, God turns around. And He starts chasing me because He loves me. He chases you because He loves you. And He would much rather turn you around and start have you start chasing Him again than just, well, that's it. I'm giving up. But the Scripture passages that we already read said God abandoned them. Oh, that doesn't preach very well in a church. Scripture says it. We need to figure out what that means. So the game that I want you thinking about is where are you? Are you chasing God or is He chasing you? Because one of those two things are happening. Next slide. So then we get into the next group of Scripture. And as I read this and God and I talked about it, I'm like, oh my word, this is the United States of America. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Fat guy sitting on a throne in heaven with the halo, the long white robe and the beard. That's foolish. But there are people who think that's how God is. Because we came up with caricatures of who the Almighty is instead of looking at the very book that defines Him. Well, I don't want to do that because I don't have to actually like reading stuff. So, you know, I think this is the way God is. And our culture has said, whatever you think, it must be your truth. False. This is another segment of society on a downslide where God is no longer clearly defined to be who the Bible says He is. God is what we want Him to be. We are creating God in our image instead of understanding that we have been created in His. Do you see the difference? Think on that. Because you look at TV programs and you look at even some Christian music. Well, I don't know. The way God's describing the Bible, that's not real popular. I'm going to add a few things in here and I'm going to make God cool. God has no desire to be cool. God is very confident in who He is. And He's asking us to be confident and who He is. And stop making stuff up because we think we can't contain God in our heads. You know that, right? His ways are higher than our ways. We don't have the capability to be able to define God except by the Word He gave us. When you step outside of that, start thinking about Rome. Start thinking about the United States. Well, What happened as a result of it? Oh, go back one. Their minds became dark and confused. That's the United States of America. We are in a constant state of confusion. There's no one truth anymore, so there's no truth is what we are finding in our culture. And it's because we've stepped away from what we know. Hopefully you know what the only source of wisdom is. Anytime you step away from a singular source of truth, a society will fall. Welcome to the United States in 2021. Our minds, when not focused on the One who gave us life and the One who embodies all wisdom, when we're not looking to Him we become dark and confused. So we can keep going. Instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, we worship idols. Made to be like sports figures and people on TV. And well, this guy sounds really intelligent. This politician, we definitely need to follow him. He's got all the answers. Idols, 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 idols. What is the singular object of our worship? Not me. Not Pastor Mike. Not any politician or leader or self-improvement guru. Put people in the blank. Oh, the earth is what we should be worshiping. You can't worship the created instead of the Creator, right? So so you tracking with me so far? And yeah, it's dark and it's kind of ugh, it kind of gives you chills. but you need to hear this. I need to hear this because well, I'm going to keep going here in a minute. Worst of the idols. Next slide. God is not careless. God is not indifferent to us. When we're playing this back and forth tag game, sometimes in the same day. I'm running towards Him, and then, oh man, i got to go this way, and I run away from Him. And it's constant. We're chasing each other. Well, God understands that if we're running, 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 running away from Him, He's not coming back. He's not coming back. i got to put some signs up. Maybe He'll read the signs. Maybe He'll understand that, whoa, I have taken a wrong turn, and no, God's not in front of me. There's just... Something that I don't need to be a part of, I'm going to turn around. God puts signs in front of us. Next slide. What does that mean? (laughs) This is one of those times. What does that sign mean? That means if you don't stop, your car is going to fall off a cliff and into the water. That is a traffic sign in Korea. I, I don't know where. I'd love to know that. You don't have to have words. If you're driving and you see that sign, you know that, well, I better stop or hopefully my car can float because I'm going to have a big problem. It's a warning sign that says stop doing what you're doing or something bad's going to happen. What's the next one? Good old American one. What's that? Stop. Years ago. Living in Wichita, Kansas. Got my family in the van. We're on our way back from a camping trip. It was wonderful. Great memories. A lady runs a stop sign and hits us in the side. Airbags go off. Everyone's okay. When you see that sign, you know, I probably should stop because there's something going to hit me if I don't. Or I'm going to hit something. Did you know God put stop signs in, in our lives? Hmm. And yet, if we take a chance. I can get through here without stopping. I don't see anybody coming. Well, you got through it that time. But there's going to be another occasion where that stop sign is there. And eventually, something's going to catch up with you, and you are going to get plowed or you're going to hurt somebody else because of your decisions. Next slide. Look at this one. What does it say? Keep reading. 29 miles! Oh my goodness! Did you know God does signs like that? You better stop. It's not going to affect you right now, but 29 miles from here, 29 years from now, your decisions that you're making now, if you don't turn off, you're going to end up in the water like that first sign. God doesn't just put them up in front of us right before we impact He will put a sign. Sometimes it's your mom. Sometimes it's your Sometimes your grandmother. Oh, them grandmothers. They will tell you like it is. You better straighten yourself up, young man, because when you get older, da 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 29 miles. And yet, that's a sign God puts up in front of us. Oh, I got 29 miles? I can keep going. I'll turn off at mile 28. So I can have as much fun as I want to have, and then right before the hellfire and brimstone, I'm going to turn this way. Well, we all know that's not the way it, it works, right? Next slide. Have you ever seen that sign put in front of you by God? God, I really, 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 really want this job, or I really, really, really dig this girl. Oh God, she is so beautiful and I just, I can see us getting married and having like 25 kids, and it's great. And God puts a road closed sign in front of you saying, Stop. If you keep going, you're not going to have a road. And it's going to get real bumpy. And your car is going to fall apart. You know what? Don't give up, though. I have a detour. Why don't you turn this way and chase me again? Because you're looking for a girl. i got a girl for you, but you got to wait and be patient. And you got to follow Me. And, and you got to make sure that you know how to lead a household before you can even capture the heart of a girl. God will put road close signs in front of us. But we've all seen if He will blow right through that, and then they pay the consequence because they didn't obey the sign. I think you get my point. So, next slide. Here is where I need your interactiveness. Give me some warning signs that we see right now in our culture that God's saying, you better stop, you better stop, or God abandons and allows us to have exactly what we want. What are some signs? Yes. Which is exactly what was discussed in the scripture, right? We're seeing causes, and we're seeing um, all these different new ways of thinking all of a sudden are real popular. And it's now turned so that if you don't follow those causes, then you're the bad guy instead of the other way around, which is the way it used to be. What other warning signs are we seeing? Drinking while you driving. Okay? Drinking while you're driving. Okay. Give me big picture stuff. Have you watched Netflix lately? <laughs> oh, oh, no. There are a couple things that I watch on there. But you know they have those previews come up to try and hook you into another show? Oh, my word. The children that I teach, during the, and even the children here, my heart breaks for them. Because at least we have the experience under our belt to know that's not normal. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We know that. Children are growing up thinking, well, this is the way it is. Ouch. So, our entire culture has become filth laden. It has become a whole series of bad words. And when you run out of bad words, then people make up words to be bad words. Do you see those signs? And God's saying, God, stop. I love you too much. You gotta stop and turn on. Anything else? Spiritual decline. Spiritual decline. For the first time since Barna has recorded, less than one half of the United States is now considered Christian. Less than one. It's been 60 70 percent. The further you go back to some of our older ladies and gentlemen, it was a solid majority. And what we're seeing now in my generation, especially those after me, now the number of people going to church, those died. The number of children who are becoming Christians, those died. You see the warning signs? Okay, next slide. Let's get personal. I don't know your life. I can barely handle my own. Much less try to worry about somebody else's life. But you can't exist as a broken person without God attempting to maneuver something about you. What are, This is rhetorical. Rhetorical means we don't want to know. What are the signs the Holy Spirit is putting in front of you saying, Stop! Stop. Turn around. You're not chasing God anymore. You're out chasing other stuff. Because the Holy Spirit, He's all over that. He'll put these things up. But it's always more fun to talk about the warning signs that everyone else has. This week, I want you to chew on that. I want you and God to arm wrestle with this one. Because He'll tell you. When you ask God, He doesn't have the capability of not being honest. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't try to make it sound fruity and all that. He just says, this is the way it is. So, chew on that this week and figure out where you are. Next slide. We've talked about the balance. I want you to leave your understanding that God is a God of love, but God is a God of justice as well. Second thing, the game. We talked about tag. Who are you chasing or who's chasing you? That's the question. Then we talk about the signs that help you determine if you're chasing God or if He's chasing you. Now we look at what the Scripture says about the outcome. What was the word that I used while we are trying to get that to come up? God did what? Abandoned. The term abandoned indicates that what was close is no longer. So, please don't think that I'm trying to tell you that God has been indifferent in your life. That God has not had a vested interest in what you do and who you're with. That's not the the character of God reflected in His Word. But ladies and gentlemen, there does come a place where God chases you and chases you and chases you, He knows your heart. Instead of chasing you and and trying to make you feel guilty anymore, I'm just going to abandon you to what you want to do. That thought breaks my heart and scares me to death at the same time. Abandon. It's not like God's yelling, you better stop or I'm leaving. God doesn't do that. But any time you're worshiping the created instead of the Creator, any time you're not willing to give Him praise and honor because of who He is and your mind begins to fixate on all of these things regardless of the signs that are going by you as you go through life, if you don't turn around, God abandons. This is not an Old Testament concept. This is not something that is just taken out of context. This is what Paul says. This is the justice portion of God's character. I want you to read this with a contrite heart. Because we're not talking about just all the stuff that we read, all the relationships that are going wrong. This is to all of us, just like we established at the very beginning. God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. That means instead of putting the warning signs up in front of us, you want it so bad? I'll give it to you. I won't stand in the way anymore. And you will see destruction like you cannot imagine. Because it's a spiritual destruction. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Now that's in Rome. As a result, we have done vile and degrading things with our lives. Ouch! I don't ever want there to be a time where God abandons you or abandons me because we're not trying to find Him anymore. We're try, not trying to chase Him down anymore because that is hopelessness as it is written there. So then you see not only verse 24, but I also have something in 26 highlighted. God didn't just abandon them to do whatever shameful things they wanted. He also abandoned them to shameful desires. That's the United States of America. We're fascinated with blood and gore. We're fascinated with porn. And we're fascinated with being not the way God wants us to be. That's considered heroic now. And God says, okay, Okay, I tried to warn you. I tried to love you out of it. I tried putting signs up. I tried shaking your life up a little bit so that you'll turn around. And so what happened? It discusses how there's an inversion in how God created Adam and Eve originally to interact. And go ahead to next slide. And it says, and they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. But again, I'm not I'm not just pigeonholing that one portion of our society. I'm saying we are in the same predicament because sin is sin. There's no big sin, little sin. Sin you can get away with, maybe a little white sin. No, 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 no. No, sin is sin. And any time you step outside of, of God's perfection, you're done. And The sin in you is going to be destroyed, which means you're going to hell or God has provided a way for that sin to be forgiven, which is only through Jesus Christ, His Son. So we keep reading. Not only did He abandon two times in 24 and 26. Look, 28. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. When you step away from God with what you do, and you step away from God with what you want to do, and now you step away from God even in how you think, that is a 360 degree destruction of a society or of a person is what we're talking about. Because the Holy Spirit is our conscience. The Holy Spirit is the one saying, come back, come back. But when we stop listening or we put something in our ears, and He abandons and walks away. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness. And there's a whole list. I don't even have to read it to you again. But man, as I look at that, and then I turn on the TV, or I look at the news, or I go and I sit on a school bus where all these little people are learning about life by what they see in media, And in these phones that are just like this, in these game systems, or they're learning from each other because there's no role models for them to follow. Have you been on a school bus lately? It'll break your heart. This is what's going on. Now, I can't just leave that there with you. There is more. Next slide. Invent new ways of sinning. We kind of talked about that. We are a society that has no mercy, or the mercy we have is for political gain or it is mercy that we are showing because we have an ulterior motive. Worse yet, they, we encourage others to do them too. That means sin. It's okay if you if you mess that up, God'll forgive you. It's okay that you have this habit. Because God has lots of grace and mercy. True statement. Please don't ever take that for granted. Because that's when you see some of these things. Okay, so next slide. I gave you four pictures. Because I work with kids. (laughs) and Some of my kids can't read. I want you to take a mental picture of these. What is the first one up here in the upper left corner? Why did I have that up there? The balance between God who has mercy and God who has justice. That's one picture for you to hold on to. Then next to it, in the upper right, why did I show you that picture? Okay, what was the game we talked about? Tag. Go home and struggle with that. And I've been in a place where God will hit me with that and it just makes me weep. God, you're right. I haven't seen you in two weeks. I haven't been to your church. I haven't read my Bible. I don't even know where my Bible is. Tag is important. What's the one in the lower left? Signs. They are. But you only see them if you're looking for them. If you're so, forgive the term, if you're so hell-bent on doing what you want to do, it doesn't matter what kind of signs are there. Rumble strips. Rumble strips. You're going to go right through it. And then I didn't get to show you this last picture because the slides got messed up. What is that? Can you go back to that slide with that picture? There. What is that? That sheep's not going anywhere except down. Because look. Over to our right. He can't jump that high. On the left. He can't jump that high. Ladies and gentlemen. When God does what he just, when Paul talked about there, that's where we are. We are sheep. and We're stuck. And we have no hope. And eventually that sheep is going to get so tired, sheep's going to lay down, starve to death, or end up falling off the rock into destruction. That's where we are. Every day. Go ahead and take us back to that, that four slide. That one. So, I know I've done a ye- lot of yelling at you. sorry, that was a little bit louder than maybe I should have been. <laughs> but I'm very passionate about this because God has so much bigger plans for us if we'll just stop following our own. And I want you to walk out of here this morning and understand that as much love as God has and as much mercy and grace as He wants to bestow, if we don't want it, There is a time where He'll let you do exactly what you want to do without trying to stop you anymore. And that whole laundry list of things is what we have become. I don't want this to be the sign that you see zoomed by your right side or your left side because you're driving so hard. Point of no return is ahead. And... I say that, I know we're being recorded to whoever's willing to listen. But right now, you're the captive audience. Wherever you are, just know that if you're not chasing God, it's going to get real numb and it's it's not going to be comfortable. And what you think you're going after is not what you're going to find. That's one of the devil's masterful lies. I'm not usually the kind of guy, because I, do, I deal with children and youth mainly, but I'm not the kind of pastor that usually stands down front. We're going to do that this morning. Because if, if this hits you like it hit me, there may be a couple of you. Maybe not. I want to talk to you. I want to pray with you. I want you to understand that as, ugh, as I just gave you, there is hope. And when you stop wanting to run away from God, there is this gospel message to where that mercy and that grace does become part of the equation again because you give up all of those things. And you turn around and you start chasing God again. So I'm going to call Miss Patty up. I don't even know where she went. Right there. (laughs) She's going to lead us into Him. And... Just think about it. And if you don't come talk to me, that's fine. You don't even know who I am, most of you. But come talk to Pastor Mike. Talk to somebody who's going to lead you in the right direction. Because God's got big plans for you and for us and for us as a country. So let's pray and then I'll go down. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word.